Yeah, back for another week of the 4th and Inches NFL podcast, but riding solo today. No boxhead uh, with work commitments this week and a bit of storm work that's gone on. We've struggled to link up, but we'll be back together as normal for next week's episode. So unfortunately for today, you're going to have to listen to my annoying voice on its own, a bit like the Colin Cowherd show in the US. He will do a much better job and does do a much better job than I do panelling on my own, but we will soldier on with what was another big week in the NFL in what can only be described, I'd say, this week as chaos. Lots of upsets, lots of quarterback injuries. Trade deadline uh, was busy, probably not as busy as what we expected in terms of big moves, but still, nevertheless, there was a couple of teams um, that made some decisions about their futures and the directions that their teams are heading in. But I think the best thing to do is just jump straight in and we'll go over the games and the action and the way things unfolded in week eight. We'll then have a look, as we always do, at week nine upcoming in the NFL as we border the halfway mark. And we'll talk about some of the news around the league, including those trades, the effects and impacts on those teams and probably the big one that just happened as of yesterday afternoon, the Las Vegas Raiders moving on from Josh McDaniels and David Ziegler, linebackers coach Antonio Pierce, the former Super Bowl winning linebacker himself from the New York Giants, another interim for Las Vegas, and first move today, benching Jimmy Garoppolo, who they're in for for three years. They don't have an out for another 12 months if they want to part ways uh, as of end of season or move on from next year, it's going to cost them $28 million. So not the best situation again for the Las Vegas Raiders. But week eight kicked off, Bills versus the Bucks, And I think the simplest way to sum this one up, when you look at the Bills side of things, it was a win. But it certainly wasn't a pretty one. And similar to what we've said most weeks here, I think Josh Allen at the moment is covering over a lot of issues for the Bills side of things, the run game. Still a bit hit and miss. Um, you know, he's been under pressure. Even the line has just been pretty average this season. His legs, though, his size, his ability to, to make plays and, and roll out of the pocket. Saw them grind this one out. But, yeah, the Bucks they've been good nuisance value, but things have slowed up a bit. That's three losses in a row now. They haven't been able to run the ball all year. That hasn't changed, and it didn't change in this game. Uh, Mayfield... Made some plays, hooked up with Evans for a fourth down touchdown on a fourth and ten. Hooked up with Godwin, as he's done all year, but uh, there was a bit of a late surge there, but not enough. They punted a lot from their own end. They got bogged down. The Bills did an okay job in that regard, but they're still going to be looking for a bit more, given those injuries on the back end. Tredavious White missing for the rest of the season. And as we know, Matt Milano, who sort of dropped into coverage and also played that linebacker spot, but a trade for them, Rasul Douglas uh, from the Green Bay Packers. Not too bad on that side of the ball. Try to tighten things up, try to cover for a little bit on the back end. But at the moment, I'd hate to say it if you're a Bills fan, but if Josh Allen wasn't the quarterback, I don't know where this team would be. Um, honestly, he's done a fair bit on his own to keep things going. It's 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 been basically all on him and his legs. But yeah, they survived this one 24-18. They keep the division open and that late trade some good signs also with him and Dalton Kincaid. That's more of what they need to see for this offense to continue to improve, especially if they don't think get get things going on the run side of the game. Panthers, Texans, we spoke about this last week, the opportunity for the two quarterbacks that were picked, one and two, to go head-to-head. A tough week or a tough start of the season, full stop for the Carolina Panthers. Talk about that trade. Did they give too much? comments about Young that Reich basically summed up by saying six weeks doesn't make a career. We're happy with our choice. We're going to back Bryce. He's going to get better every week and probably an appropriate week for him to get his first win as an NFL player and as a professional and to play pretty clean. Under pressure plenty of times as he was. Got sacked six times but you know, composed. A better week for him. Got a good connection now with Thielen who's been his most reliable target. The run game still letting him down, which is putting a lot more sort of pressure on him. But their defense at times, you know, it, it can have some moments and spark up. But nevertheless, breaks his duck as a professional. And, and for Stroud, the defense, they did a good job on him. Pressure, uh, 
a fumble with Beck and didn't get much going on the pass side of things. He had that QB sneak and a two-point conversion, but when it all said was done, discipline, 10 penalties, really killed him, really helped it at the back end, set up the drive that led to Carolina getting in position to kick a field goal to take this one as the clock turned out of a zero and took three attempts with the penalties to be able to get the field goal off. But the walk-off win for the Panthers alleviates a little bit of noise for now, especially around the owner. David Tepper and his uh, his uh, background as, as a hedge fund manager and a money man and, and looking to make some moves and an impact and what he's hoping to get out of Frank Reich and the moves they made for Young. But, yeah, at this point in time, a little bit of pressure off for this week, but the first win for the Panthers and the Texans missed opportunity. Three and four and still well and truly alive in their division, but um, strength of schedule and where they are, big chance this season to... Jag a wild card or win the South, which is still wide open. But speaking of and moving on, talking about divisionals, the Vikings versus the Packers, and what what a day it was if you're a Vikings fan. Uh, for all the talk and the rough commentary around the likes of a Kirk Cousins, that Achilles injury is just, it's a disaster. You're talking this point in the season, the recovery time, I think he's 35, 36 years old, where do you go from there? And this is a situation that Brock and myself have spoke about multiple times. Quarterbacks, they're hard to come by, and it's it's not as easy just to move off somebody. You know, you're talking a first-round pick, gets a four-year contract, a fifth-year option, then you can basically tag them for another two seasons before they hit free agency completely with the variety of tags available. So it's essentially a seven-year relationship if you want to keep somebody or even if you're unsure or you don't have another option to move on to. Free agency, it's always very hard. Good quarterbacks don't make it to the market. A lot of the guys that you've seen bounce around or have multiple opportunities, that, that generally happens for a reason. So it's not very often you see successful free agents or they're middle-of-the-run guys and it's more money side of things in years, like Derek Carr and his situation this year um, with the Saints from the Raiders. But... Yeah, for the Vikings, they termed it that they wanted to be in a competitive rebuild. Moves like Dalvin Cook, Thielen being moved on, keeping Madison and you know, got Jefferson and his deal and Kirk's deal and trading for Hockinson, drafting Addison, who's been really, really good. Like They're sort of trying to transition to being competitive rather than a full rebuild, but this injury, the deadline passing, Daniil Hunter being a free agent and the potential to move on there or stick with him and then starting 0-4 and now being 4-4. Four and four, it's, a, it's, it's a weird situation for them. Like, what, what direction do you want to head now knowing what's happened with Kirk and what are you going to be doing moving into the next season? So it's an interesting time for them. But for Green Bay, it's slowly got worse as the years moved on. But to the Packers' credit, they're backing Jordan Love. that He needs more time in their opinion. And I guess for them, commitment-wise, with the cap, the fact they shut down the fifth-year option, signed him on a decent value two-year deal, basically to see what they have with him. Um, we'll give some credence to him in, in the fact that the offensive line's had injuries and rotation, and Jones hasn't been there to bolster the running game with Dylan. And probably the biggest mistake, I'd say, they made, why I like a lot of their young receivers, for a young quarterback, like you don't want to surround him with a ton of veterans or older guys like Arizona did, with Kyler Murray, but you know you're probably looking for someone who's four or five years in, or a middle middling sort of player who's not exactly a rookie to help out a young quarterback, and then and then to simplify things, they'll kiss theory, keep it simple, stupid because at times like he plays with that flair, almost like he is an Aaron Rodgers, but you know can come up with a pick or a fumble. Um, so while there's positives there, it's slowly declined across the season. I think. People have got more questions around LaFleur after having Rodgers and the most wins and setting all these records. This is the first time this year, obviously without a Hall of Fame quarterback. And um, after some positive signs, it's been on the downhill slope for a little bit. But um, I guess you move forward with Reed and Watson and Dobbs and look at the, the youth and hope that next year is going to be better um, with the line and the secondary and the defense. But, you know, I, I guess off-season... One thing you definitely want to address is if those O-line injuries continue, maybe making a move there, but definitely getting, uh, you know, probably a receiver that's a bit more reliable, a bit more of a, a guaranteed number one. 
strange one off the top of my head looking what's going on with Devontae Adams. I know his relationship there was more with Rodgers and that team, but whether they consider a reunion, is there a way to trade him back? Because um, looking at the Jets side of things, the picks and their cap situation, I doubt they're in any position to make that sort of move. But um, if there's any interest there with Adams, unless he wants to go play with somebody else and Vegas are keen sellers if I was Green Bay, uh, that sort of guy there for love to work with those young receivers just mentioned and you know a defense that's already pretty well loaded would put them in a good spot. But yeah, poor Kirk Cousins, great game. Um, and I think this sort of situation now is the time when Vikings fans might appreciate a little bit more what they had with him. But got them out to a very, very good lead and late on in the piece going down. And now Jaron Hall, BYU, 31 touchdowns last year, picked uh, in the draft. Some people have a, a bit of hope around him. Uh, they traded late for Josh Dobbs, who's been great for Arizona in a transitional. Only a seventh-round pick, so I'm sure with a reliable veteran like himself who's been on multiple rosters. And Kirk, despite the injury being around, he's got two very good guys to work with him there. And um, if it's all a bit too much for the Vikings and they feel with the schedule they've got on the way in, that they've got some sort of chance, maybe they roll with Dobbs after a week or two. But we'll see this week. What they're thinking is uh, in terms of playoffs and where they want to get to after looking like a team that could be sellers. Uh, not the case, but four and four and two behind, but a wild card still up for grabs while they can't win the division. But Packers now two and five. I guess you're just looking for growth. And then those moves, like I spoke of, can you make a move to get a veteran? Can you shore up some of those line injuries? And next year, why love is still on the cheap. You know, free roll of the dice, or if you get to the end of the year and you're in a spot to draft a quarterback and you really, really like one of them, do you bring someone in to compete with him? That's always an option. So, yeah, more interested to see how the record plays out for the Vikings, but moving on from that, Eagles-Washington, no surprise, divisional games. They played them tight not long ago, but after a rough few weeks, Washington certainly turned up. Um, Eagles allowing 400-plus yards of offense, Bayard being on board was a good trade late, something they definitely needed. But um, as a whole, yeah, just not quite the impact they probably expected defensively. Their line, which has been penetrating and the most sacked quarterback in the league, how he stayed upright. He had a huge day himself, four touchdowns, 400 yards almost. He did have a pick, which was costly. But yeah, both these defenses are absolutely leaked like a sieve. Hurts was one of his better days. No turnovers in terms of the pass. A couple of fumbles. Stopped on the brotherly shove for one of the first times. But 319 yards, four TDs. And A.J. Brown, if you're the Titans right now, and that was just a first-round pick that you got back in return for what could have been a number one receiver. And all it was down to is salary. And you look at the way the NFL is going now in terms of salary and the pay packets for wide receivers, you'd have to say that the Titans have made a mistake um, in moving on from A.J. Brown, but his season so far, he's run after the catch, his ability, massive. But he had a big day along with Devontae in the shootout, and their run game wasn't as effective, but, yeah, defensively on both sides, quite poor. But, yeah, you get away with a couple of those turnovers, and Philly comes out in the right end of a shootout, and 6-1, and one, but I guess for Washington, those trades, two big trades on the D-line, Montez, Sweat, and Chase Young. Last year's their contracts... Clearly not going to be signing either. Traded for second and third round picks. Cap space heading next year. Quite large, $90 million. They've got a first, two twos, two threes, and four to seven round picks. So stacked on that, new ownership, cap space, and obviously felt they weren't going to extend Young or be able to come to a deal or know what they had. Um, and then on the flip side with Sweat taking the risk again that contract-wise it was better to take draft picks. So a bit line on edge rushes, but certainly still strong on the interior with Payne and Jonathan Allen. Um, but I feel this is not the only change we're going to see. Still think Ron Rivera is going to be out at the end of the year. The enemy, this new group, Josh Harris and the group with Magic Johnson. You'd have to say uh, it's going to be significant in terms of turnover and change. But the real thing that hurt here with what was so close by those couple of turnovers, 80 penalty yards to 14, which certainly doesn't help in a divisional game. But, yeah, hell of a shootout, and both defenses leak like a sieve. Titans-Falcons. This was very, very open, but 
two moves this week. Malik Willis gets to start over Levis when there was talk about shared time, fumbles, and seen enough in terms of errors on the Titans side of things for the few opportunities he gets. Levis comes in for him. Ritter, turnover prone. It's been picks. It's been fumbles. There's been some good moments, but there's just way too much in terms of turnovers and not leading into what has been good for them, which is their running game um, with him on the field. But Heineke takes over, and it looks like he'll be the starter this week. But Will Levis, a lot of talk about him being a first-round talent. Stock sort of dropped heading into the draft. Another sort of pick for them that they get in the second round and take a look at with Tannehill injured. Comes in and hits it out of the park, and there was a lot of talk about his arm strength and his ability, but the link-up between him and, and D-Hop, um, huge day for Hopkins. No touchdowns at this point. Only four catches, but three touchdowns. Four for 128 yards. 61 yarder. He had another long one at the back end of the game and the, and the third one. Just, yeah. And in particular, that last one to Aquino West where he's off his back foot. Fourth down play. Basically a 40 yarder. Drops it in to get the 28-16 in the lead. Just felt like it wasn't the typical Titans offense where they're struggling to get 10 yards. You're leaning on Derrick Henry. There's no threat of a pass play or anything going for 10 to 15 yards plus, but Levis uncorked four touchdown passes in his first start. So hard to read much into it because it's only been one week, but if this plays out the rest of the year that they think they've got something there, we know they've got a good D line. They've got a decision to make on Henry, but if they've picked up the potential future quarterback in the second round, which is a long way away from being judged, as I said, until the season concludes... That's an absolute steal. An absolute steal. But for now, Tannehill coming off contract, that's not your future. Malik Willis, he's been, you know, error prone. Is there a way to convert him with his physical talent to another position? Can he be beneficial? Um, but for now, you'd assume this week it's going to be Will Levis off the back of what was the most dangerous looking offense for the Titans in a long time. But Falcons, they lose Grady Jarrett on ACL. The defense, one of their stronger points. They blew some assignments in the back end. They got absolutely burnt there in the secondary. Um, their strong points, their run game, and even that, you know, Bijan last week, one carry, say he was healthy enough to play, but if they gave him one carry, he'd say no. But maybe with Heineke in a little bit more reliable, a little bit safer with the football, see what he could do with the commanders. If they can find a better balance between turnovers and that run-pass game, you know, get Algier and, and Bijan Robinson go and make that the focal point and, um, Heineke moves around. Nice play to Scotty Miller at the back end, which got him into that 28-23. But, yeah, I think Ritter's time, if Heineke's reliable, might be coming to an end. And for Arthur Smith, it's been multiple years now. They've relied on him. They've made some high draft picks. Quarterback hasn't really been a settled position, but uh, I, I'm not sure if he's on the hot seat. But somehow, there's still equal lead in the division. So, open for the Falcons at 4-4 four and four with the Saints. But... A lot of football to be played in uh, what is certainly a very open South. But the Titans thought they'd be maybe sellers on deadline day. Still three back from the Jags, but a good look into the future for the rest of the season, potentially, if Levis can back up that sort of performance this week. So, um, yeah, a bit of intrigue there if you're a Tennessee Titans fan. And who knows, a little bit of hope, because there's nothing better, as we know, as finding value in a quarterback on a rookie deal and then been able to build around that and make some decisions in terms of what direction you're heading. The Jets and Giants, oh man, don't want to spend a lot of time on this. It's, it's turned into a toilet bowl. Giants come in with a lot of hope. Two and six, and they've been one of the worst teams in the NFL. That Jones deal looks awful. Tyrod looked as capable as the backup, then hurts his ribs, and Tommy DeVito comes in, negative yardage throwing, one on the ground. They basically just abandoned the pass altogether. Saquon carried the ball 36 to 37 times for the game. Um, we know for the Jets, defensive heavy, Giants were similar. Kayvon Thibodeau had one of his best games as a pro. Yeah, this was a back and forth in terms of quarterbacks just getting wrecked. Dexter Lawrence, Okariki made some plays. Wilson, uh, okay day. He got sacked a few times, made some poor decisions, but when it mattered, they had the drive that they needed to get a field goal. Zero line obviously took it to overtime and then, you know, kicked the one in overtime to get him the win. I think that's the third close 
overtime win for the year. But yeah, both the Williams, Quinn and Quincy, Jermaine Johnson fumbles. It was it was pretty much awful on both sides, but their defenses were the difference. And the Jets again emerged from a close one and, and find themselves in a spot now where Aaron Rodgers recovering ridiculously quickly. So at four and three, they're two back. But, you know, is a wild card on the table. Can they get themselves to the back end to see where Rodgers is at? And is it worthwhile getting him back in? But um, I, I'd assume, like we've said most weeks, if they're not in a position to be a wild card and he's not ready to go, they're focused for next year, despite the fact they gave up some picks and he redid his deal. That O-line has to get better. It's, it's not good enough. They've had some high draft picks on it. That's partly the reason that Rodgers was pressured on the only four plays he got to play as a Jet, but... Yeah, between that, the move for Dalvin Cook, which is only a one-year one, I think that hasn't worked out. Hall, as he's got healthier, you know, Carter, if he can get healthier, you can find running backs in the draft. But shoring up the O-line and definitely finding a second receiving option to put next to Wilson. Garrett Wilson's been brilliant. But for the Giants, this is very interesting. Uh, Bad to worse. Saquon still got to work a deal out. The Jones deal looks bad. Traded for Waller, find themselves in a hole and Things slowly turning on Brian Dayball, that's for sure. The Patriots. Patriots against the Dolphins. 31-17. Positive start. Sack tour. Got the pick on an early drive. Mac, Kendrick Bourne open 7-0. And you're thinking, okay. A little bit of promise off the back of the last few weeks. Divisional game. But after that, that just took the top off the Patriots in the secondary hill early, just outruns everyone. They had double coverage, but it was split, runs through untouched. Um, Cedric Wilson in close, quick snap throw, just rolled. And, and while the Pats sort of did an okay job at, at halting their run game, which has been their strong point, they just completely stagnated as an offense. There was nothing positive after that for Mac Jones. He threw that red zone pass that literally felt like it floated in the air for an eternity for Ramsey to pick off. They turned that into a field goal. Um, fumble of their own in return is a field goal at 17-10 but Mostert runs one in they control things mostly on that side of the ball Tua's got three touchdowns again Bourne who's probably been their best receiver blows his ACL and I know Juju scores late but Waddle the coverage on him to score again um, it's hard to take much away from this than the Patriots and in the Bill Belichick era this is the highest current position they would have in an NFL draft. They're currently sitting at the fifth pick and stick by what I've said for multiple weeks now. The cap space they've got coming is almost $80 million plus. Max not the answer. They need to address both sides of the ball. Um, you know, they've had Henry, they've got Jasicki this year, Johnny Smith, who they traded away from, the two tight end set thing they haven't been able to really get going. They've drafted poor receiver, they've signed poor receiver. Juju hasn't looked good. He got paid a stack of money. Some of these late guys like Booty and Douglas. Like, the offense needs a complete revamp. Quarterback being the number one priority if they have a high pick. Um, but yeah, on the receiving side of the ball, it hasn't really worked out. Zeke, the deal's not crazy, but you know, Ramon Joe's been disappointing. He hasn't really been effective. And yeah, there's a few positives on the defensive side of the ball that you'd hold on to and can, and can sort of build around. But even the line, the line was always a positive. That's gone backwards. So. It's not looking like it's going to be a great year. They're now two and six and last in the division, and the Dolphins six and two lead the East and bounce back. And thought they might have tried to maybe address their offensive line, which has been hidden so well by McDaniel's with the way he dresses up his plays. But no late moves from them. Still got a couple of injuries and a few guys to return. Um, they're going to need to address that side as we spoke about last week heading into the playoffs because. When they play good defenses, if you can't block and they can get near quarterback, run game's non-existent, no time to pass the ball. It's not going to matter what speed they've got on the back end. But for now, they control the East. Jag Steelers, interesting one. Uh, comments from the Steelers afterwards, very unhappy with multiple calls, unhappy with a late hit on Pickett. They thought rough from the passer. Deontay Johnson, the receiver in particular, um, Coach Tomlin commenting on the offsides on a field goal near halftime that cost them some points and feeling like they were robbed in this game. But regardless of that, I'm still looking at the Steelers and just thinking you can't run the ball. Pickett seems like he takes two or three quarters to get going and a few times they've sort of surged in the fourth. But 
if their defense defense in particular their second uh, their front line and their second level like linebacker and defensive line weren't there, the Steelers would be in big trouble. They have not been able to run the football. They've not been able to move the football. Their defense has kept them in a majority of games that they've been in. And uh, in this one again, no exception to that. And you know, Lawrence steady moved the ball with Ridley Ingram tough conditions. Edian just continues to be outstanding out of the backfield, running, receiving, long touchdown, three catches for seventy yards, seventy on the ground. Their defense continues to improve as well. Allen underrated pass rusher Josh Allen for them. Walker teed up with one. Olakawan at linebacker just cleans up absolutely everything and. You know, once Pickett was out of the game, Trubisky coming in, two picks, no surprise. We we basically know what he is. Um, Yeah, they had that late play for Pickens, who's an absolute freak, carries that in. But, yeah, 20-10, to the Hail Mary late. I I know they're unhappy with a couple of those calls, but looking at them in their division, somehow they're four and three. Tomlin every year seems to be positive in terms of his record, but... Just felt like the last few years on the offensive side of the ball, just haven't able to get things right. Like Big Ben was obviously past it. Pickett was a late pick, bit of a, a no risk, no reward. But you sort of feel for them as well. At what stage do they look to get into the quarterback market? They tried Trubisky last year early to see if they could get some value out of him. They couldn't. Um, you know the line running the ball is not really working. That feels like Pickens is a good player. It feels like Johnson's got some speed to take off the top, but. Yeah, maybe need to address their line and look at their quarterback situation because the defensive side of the ball certainly got plenty of contributors, but offense really hurts this team. Uh, For the Jags, things just keep getting better. Five in a row, improvements on both sides of the ball. Deadline day deal for Ezra Cleveland, who's one of the better young guards in the league for the Vikings, so strengthening up their running game and protecting Trevor Lawrence. And they've got control of the South. They're 6-2. and Three clear in their division. Things looking on the up and uh, one on the AFC side to, to keep your eyes on, I guess, at this point in time. Uh, Saints and Colts, 38-27. Finally, a couple of big plays from Carr. Um, Kamara, 15-plus yards twice for touchdowns. Taysom Hill, effective running from that quarterback position, almost like a wildcat sort of offense when he's in. Shahid, who's been great on some long plays and I guess probably the biggest upside, a good response. They were down early um, and then sort of exploded to come back. Colts were good early on. Minshew moving the ball, linking up with Downs, Pittman, the Moss and Taylor duo from the back, plenty of carries and a couple of big plays there. But, yeah, after being in control for the Colts, uh, 17-7, I think it was, just bang, 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 cupped a couple of back-to-backs and were down by 15. Got back within a score late, but a field goal close things out and for the Saints pretty much what was to be expected there sort of a team that you look at (coughs) pardon me at 4-4 and equal lead in the division and talk about that car deal like we said too much talent Kamara's back got Thomas got Alave found a weapon like Shahid um, able to run the ball the versatility of a hill in the run in the pass game enough weapons on defence drafted a good field goal kicker it's mainly on the quarterback to convert some of the red zone stuff and put some points on the board. So, uh, yeah, it's a good result and alive in that division, but a lot of where their future lies goes off the back of Derek Carr and how the rest of his year plays out. So a little bit of positivity for them, um, but not going to get too excited. But for the Colts, we know Richardson's done for the end of the year. Looks like they've found a positive in, in Downs as a receiver. You know, you find... Moss, who was at Buffalo, comes to you on a cheap deal. Is there an agreement they can come to to keep a nice duo between them and Taylor, who obviously signed his extension? O-line's okay. Draft and free agency. Can they maybe shore up their secondary a little bit and maybe get another receiver? I don't know, but there was enough positivity out of Richardson for them to be excited about. But the rest of the year with Minshew, they're going to be competitive. They're going to be able to run the ball. Uh, They're going to be hit and miss some weeks, but... Yeah, for the Saints, they're alive. 7.7 yards per play, 511 yards. The biggest positives after a couple of rough weeks. Cowboys-Rams, there's not a lot to say. 43-20, an absolute smash-up. Sort of felt like we talked about. Rams had overachieved early. McVay's done a real good coaching job. They've still got 
clearly some talent in the roster. Your Donalds, your Staffords, Cup on return. They find Nakua, Atwell having a growth year and probably overachieving offensively and defensively, but you felt it was going to wear out. Questions about their depth. Stafford playing hurt. Cup still not 100%. Nakua carrying some niggles as well. And once Stafford, who limped his way through this game, looked hindered, had the hand probably as well, went out, you just sort of look and go, well, where is this going? They're another team paying the piper for the moves they made to win a Super Bowl, but they're still top-heavy, still got cap pressure. Their pick situation's not the greatest. They're one that you sort of looked at and thought maybe they'd be sellers to sort of reset at the deadline, but that wasn't the case. Um, so now I, I guess they manoeuvre their way through the year and then you look in the off-season, is there moves they can make to maybe reset after the draft? Like, do they keep going with Stafford and his contract? Like, Donald, still a very, very good player, but big money. Cup is there. Um, do they retool? Do they make a sacrifice here to retool? But for now, not doing it at the deadline where they are right now. Feels like they're sort of middle of the road and going to find themselves just playing their way through the rest of the year and seeing how they go health-wise because they're certainly thin. They're two behind the Seahawks and the 49ers and you can't see them being competitive whether they're a wild card or not. So, yeah, that, that reset that was possibly there looks like it may have not been such a bad idea, but, yeah, they chose not to go that way. So, I don't know. Time's going to tell certainly on that side of the ball. But if Stafford's not playing, lack of a run game, it's it's going to be a rough back end of the season if that's the case. So for the Rams, that's sort of your question marks and trying to find right now as we sit here, their cap space for next year and where that sort of leaves them. They've got $46 million of cap space, but only 35 players under contract. So with your picks and free agency and what you can sort of bring in, Still pretty tight, considering you've got to have, obviously, 53 on your roster. And then your draft picks. Um, they're not as bad as what they have been. They mortgaged a lot of their picks in the last couple of years, but they've got their first, their second, third, fourth, couple of fifths. So, chance to add some pieces. But, yeah, whether they want to reset or not, different story. But the Cowboys, it's been hit and miss. It's clear, though, when they dominate on defense, freeze up Dak. Run game gets going, no pressure on him, lack of turnovers. If it's not he's not the driving force, things look good. Deron Brand got his third pick six of the season. Lots of pressures while they didn't get a lot of sacks on Stafford. A lot of three and outs, got the ball back. Um, Pollard, is he the man as a lead back? Is he going to be able to get through the playoffs that way? I don't know. It's a situation that maybe could have addressed. But on the plus side, Dak certainly given the targets that are deserved to C.D. Lamb. They got contributions on all three sides of the football. A couple of big kick returns, even on special teams from Turpin. So um, a win from them. And I guess it's more a wild card they're looking at unless they can get a head-to-head result up against Philly. But they still find themselves in a pretty good position despite a few results that were disappointing. They're 5-2. And, um, and yeah, a, a wild card as well within their grasp. And they're at least competing in that side of things. So big day for the Cowboys. Big, uh, big, big score ran up at 33-9 to nine and some late points there, but 43-20 overall. And for the Rams, it's going to be a tough slog. Bengals 49ers. Said it last week, we did it at bets. I liked the $3. I liked the way things were building. There was just something about Cincy, but that home record of the 49ers turns you off. But when they're not in control and when they're behind, and especially in the fourth quarter, it's come out this week, 0-39 and 39 Shanahan teams behind in the fourth quarter by eight or less. So now he loves the run game. Now he loves the play action, play with his defense, but drop back pass, chasing score, doesn't win. And for all the talk about their defense, which is a very, very good defense, two things they're not doing well, though. They're one of the worst teams in red zone defense, defending inside their own 20 against points, and they're one of the worst teams in the league, or at least bottom third on third down. So they're not getting teams off the field. A lot of blame went to Purdy. There's been picks the last few weeks, but again, it's not the way their system operates and their defense, especially the line, is not being as impactful as what you'd hope, which is why you've seen those moves for Gregory and then the last-minute trade deal for Chase Young, which reunites him with former Ohio State teammate Nick Bosa. 
So they are absolutely stacked up front now. If they're not generating more pressure, if they're not getting sacks, if they're not getting turnovers and getting teams off the field with a combination of those guys, Kinlaw, Fred Warner, and what they've got on the back end, which has been pretty solid this year, well, they're in trouble. And, yeah, if it's going to run through McCaffrey and then pressure on Purdy when things aren't going or they're behind, I know Debo's not there at the moment. It's more a gadget offense um, and a lot of timing and rhythm. Um, they're going to struggle. But that move for Chase, it's basically a free swing. They don't have to give him the contract. They got two third-round compensatory picks for two of their coaches that got hired by the teams. Uh, in D'Amico Ryans, and I can't remember the other guy's name, but he went to Tennessee. So it's basically a free trade. Two-thirds, one-third for Young. Get him in, load up their defense, and they're pushing their chips all in. But this was big by Cincy. This was full control. Never felt like they were in threat to spite. The score's getting close a few times, and Burrow, who started hindered, he's not that now. 28 to 32, only four incompletions, three touchdowns. He's moving in the pocket. The times that he decided to run, picked up yardage, picked up first downs, was critical. Mixing at the back end. Um, he was just a surgeon. Pulled him apart. They controlled possession. Linked up with Chase. They got a couple of turnovers as well. They got pressure um, and, and sort of got over that line. Their pass rush, which wasn't really existent, come back into the mix. Hendrickson starting to be a factor again. Pratt, underrated piece as that linebacker. Got that critical turnover for Purdy. He threw it straight into his hands when it was 17-7 um, in the red zone there. But yeah, after that, two picks back-to-back. Just really struggled playing from behind. So, Cincy started like a sinking stone. Slowly, but surely, coming on strong. Now back to four and four in their division. Not in control, but again, that wild heart, wild card and the north. Like the Ravens at six and two, but all three teams, Browns, Steelers, Bengals behind at four and three. There could be multiple wild cards out of the AFC from that division if things keep going the way they are. The Browns have dropped a couple of results they shouldn't have, uh, but the Bengals, they're slowly starting to rear their head and Joe Burrow doing exactly what you'd expect from Joe Burrow. Um, and for the 49ers, that's three losses in a row now. Heading into a buy, probably not bad timing um, with that trade. Get Chase Young acclimated, but coming out, they get the Jags, which is no easy beat, but probably going to be a good gauge of where things are at for them uh, off the back of what has been a bit of a rough period. Broncos Chiefs, you talk about upsets and chaos between the injuries and the upsets. 24-9. to It was talk that Mahomes was sick, but flu or not, they were awful. Uh, talk about Travis Kelsey and, you know, being at the World Series and being seen on TV and has had a good look and the turnaround between the game. All that aside, if you're going to turn the ball over five times, you're going to find it hard to win a game. Three fumbles, like, and, and the other thing is field position. Turnovers are one thing, but turnovers in your own half, in scoring positions, you know, Wilson converted only 12 of 19, but three touchdowns, and all those were in good field position. They gave easy field goals or put them in the field goal range. They offered up their points. And then on the flip side, I think by grading, this was the worst, if not one of the, the three worst games Mahomes has had since he's come into the NFL offensively couple of picks. The run game didn't really get going. It was just a bad day all around for the Chiefs. And their defense, which has been the focal point, they got a couple of stops, got a couple of turnovers themselves, but they were, had no chance with five turnovers. And like I said, basically four of which were in scoring positions for field goal or touchdowns for the Broncos. So, yeah, not a great day. If you're a Chiefs fan, and we talked last week, the control in the AFC setting themselves up for a one or two seed at six and one, heading into Denver of all teams and a loss that no one would have been expecting. So not that that's changed their chances, you know, four or one and two, but now the Ravens at six and two, Jags at six and two, Dolphins at six and two with their chance to kick clear and really take control. That one one or two seed spot there has sort of opened itself right back up. But yeah, some concerning signs again. The Harbin fumble, ordinary, but yeah, their defense has certainly been doing, doing their job. The offense was slowly improving. We saw some signs of life, but this week, I guess you can give them a pass from what we've seen year after year after year and them getting things right, but five turnovers, just inexcusable. So Sean Payton, 
certainly taken some licks. Uh, been a lot of speculation. Moved on Frank Clark, moved on Randy Gregory. It's thoughts that they'd be sellers, potentially Judy, Sutton, uh, or you know players of that ilk to be moved on, but not the case. Kept his offensive pieces. Won a couple of games now. Seen some improvements on his defense. You know, your Sertains, Cooper's playing up, Josie Jewell, Singleton, so uh, certainly not putting them in any playoff situation, that's for but three and five and trending in the right direction, and no doubt there'll be more moves from them come the offseason. Ravens, Cardinals, great nuisance for the other Cardinals, honestly, they have been all year, was the case again, they were winning the trenches early, uh, both sides of the line, they were able to run the football Dobbs, who ended up getting traded. What a fantastic player he's been for the eight weeks he's been there. A um, couple of turnovers, but they can't question what they got from him effort-wise. A couple of touchdowns. He was willing to run the football and put his body on the line. They kept him right in this, but the Ravens at the back end, um, after losing the trenches early, they just come over the top. Three touchdowns for Gus. One with his arm to Andrews, his main target. and It wasn't a great day. Like I said, through the air or a great day in general in that regard, but they come over the top. They got back into it in the trenches at the back end of the game. And Arizona, you, you just got to pay pay your dues to what they've been able to produce. They're buying into Gannon. Their defense is all effort. They play hard every week. Their offense is trying. They're trying to be creative there. And I guess now with Dobbs being moved on, it pretty much opens the door for Kyler Murray and them. They look like they're going to risk that contract and see what they've gotten. If he fits into where they're trying to head. Uh, but if not, Clayton Tune, the rookie, who a lot of people thought would have got the start over Dobbs, he's there as well. But it looks like they're going to try the back end of the season with Kyler Murray and look where they're heading for their future and what the plan is heading into next season with this direction, which seems to be a lot of guys buying in and believing in their coach and salary cap-wise and what they've traded, $65 million in cap space open up next year. So they've got the ability to make a couple of moves. They've got two first-round picks. Obviously, Houston traded that pick to get back for Anderson, a second and three-thirds. So, you know, when you've got six picks in the first three rounds, you're going to have a pretty good chance there to get some players in key positions and retool to help your side. So um, some real positives from what the coach has done. But I guess now it's whether Kyler Murray buys in, but... For the Ravens, it's not the prettiest of wins, but it's a win nonetheless. So you take that positive. They control their division. They're too clear in the north, equal first in the AFC and in a great position at the halfway point. Chargers Bears, this certainly doesn't need much discussion. Uh, you can buy into the hype of the Chargers getting a win, but the Bears, Bajan, it was a great week for him last week. I don't think he's obviously the one to blame in this situation. One of the turnovers was dropped. wasn't his fault. There was a touchdown that should have been caught when he threw a bomb. The receiver slipping over himself and then still dropping it. Um, but not able to maintain drives. Not able to run the football. All the pressure in the world back onto him. Uh, he made some plays, but the turnovers. But the, the Chargers took this away in the first half. When you get to halftime, leading the way they were, I think it was 24-7. Eckler proved how much of a factor he is for their offense. Losing Williams was a big factor, but him in the receiving game in particular, as an outlet player, being able to screen to him or just get it to him early, check it down for Herbert, rather than constantly relying on going deep. You know, to Keenan Allen all the time or getting plays. Still couldn't get things going really on the run side of the, the, the game there, but the way they use him in those screens and those outlets is almost as good as like a run play. Uh, just just brought some balance. So he made some big plays with his legs. Defense got some sacks, couple of turnovers, but. It's against the Bears, so hard to take much out of that for the Chargers side of things, but a win nonetheless, a win that they needed uh, in terms of division and keeping themselves in the run and at three and four, not really in a position quite at the moment for a wild card, so they're going to need to pick things up. But Eckler back in, definitely a positive, and Herbert, no surprise, 300 yards, three touchdowns, pretty Simple day with him, but bigger challenges to come. But for the Bears, I guess the huge news is the deadline day move for them. Picking up Montez Sweat, six and a half sacks. Some would say you could have gone from in free agency, but second round pick when they've got extra picks to get him in now. Obviously, they're going to offer him a contract long term, be a foundational piece on their defense. Jalen Johnson, 
they talked, they couldn't settle a deal and they tried to trade him on deadline day. Not happy um, with the trade value what they could get back. So if he leaves in free agency, they probably get a second or a third round compensatory pick for him. 110 million in cap space. Those two extra picks for the ones and twos, like we said with Carolina, which right now it's not the first pick, but it'll be a top five pick plus their own. Um, and then all the extra picks on top of that. With two firsts, a third, two fourths, sweating 100 million in cap space. DJ Moore looks like he was worth it. Commit's a solid player. They could really invest in their offensive line and draft a quarterback. But for this year, it is what it is. Um, but that move, I think, is positive. I think they're definitely going to move on from fields. And if they spend their money right and, and say Jalen stays and sweats there, you've got a foundational piece on the back end and on the front end for your pass rush. And you can build through the draft and free agency. So time will tell. Seahawks, Browns, you look at this and just think, how'd you blow this if you're Cleveland? Uh, still questions again about Deshaun and not playing. and PJ Walker, he's trying to do a job. They're still trying to run their football. A lot of pressure on their defense, but a back and forth. The Seahawks now lead that division with a game in hand, equal at 5-2 and two with the 5-3 and three 49ers, but great start. Walker, who's been great, his run game, then Bobo gets in. Fumble recovery from Brooks on PJ Walker. Uh, scramble down, and you find Lockett. 14-zip, they're well in control, but after that, they sort of turn things around. They start to run the ball. A couple of screen plays, and Joku return serve. DK deep off a play, and then drop pick off the back there. Puts him into a situation where things swing, and it's 14-all. Um it's 17-14. It, was, it, was, it really tightened up. Gino hasn't been as reliable this year with his arm. There's been a couple of picks, a lot more turnovers. They're really leaning into the run game, and the defense has been hit and miss, but the Browns sort of took control. There was a second-long screen play from Walker to Njoku, and 17-all back and forth with the field goals. It was a matter of who was going to take control, but with two minutes left at 20-17 to 17 with the defense that Cleveland's got, they're on their 40. They go for it. Tip picked by Jamal Adams, which turns to love with the ball and, and turns things over, heading into the two-minute warning. There was a third and three. Like, if you're Stefanski and the Browns, you back your defense to pump that down inside the 20 and try and shut things out with probably a minute 50 left. But that's not the case. They turn it over in good field position. Uh, they're able to roll down. And not only do they roll down, like Fant breaks a couple of tackles, gets right inside the red zone, and then just a screenplay to Jackson Smith and Jigba, who hasn't been a great contributor so far, but two weeks in a row now, touchdowns and a late steal. So the Browns, who probably should have been 5-3 and three and have blown a couple of games now, find themselves two back from the Ravens in that division and question marks about the guaranteed money and are they wasting this window? Chubb injured, out for the year. Deshaun not playing. Heavy reliance on their defense. Um, yeah, it seems like this opportunity might be slipping away. Deshaun needs to get back on the field and live up to that price tag. But for Seattle and Geno, he's been hit and miss, but their run game seems good. They've got some weapons. Their defense seems to be improving. They've made some good decisions there. And the late trade for Leonard Williams is a win-win. They get him... For a second and a late fifth, all the salaries basically paid for this year, so it's a free swing. Um, and on the flip side of that, for the Giants, they offload in a position where they've got a couple of players, and you know that they, they load up in a spot of need. So for the Seahawks, that they're, they're really trying to challenge in the West, there, try and get on top of things. So great late result for them, and now the head-to-heads with the 49ers are very important. But the last one to wrap things up: Lions versus. The Las Vegas Raiders, McDaniels, it's over. Second opportunity as a head coach. He's out. The GM's out, Ziggler. It's another interim. The Garoppolo deal, which was signed. He's benched now for Aiden O'Connell with Pierce now taking control. Devontae's just been absolutely wasted there. They said there was no way he'd be traded, but it wouldn't surprise me if the offseason something percolates there. Whether it's a you know a trade with Green Bay to reunite him if he's happy to go back and give Love probably that weapon that he's missing whether there's another team that's interested or there'd be no doubt they'd be suitors everywhere for someone of the ilk of him. But at this point in his career, just a waste. But you just look at the Raiders and to go through all these coaches year on year and interims and 
the draft picks that were wasted and having to trade Waller. Jacobs on the tag, not playing that well. And who, who's to say he's there next year? You know, first-round picks in Cleveland Farrell that didn't hit. Jonathan Abram, Ruggs, who obviously had the off-field incident. Now the Garoppolo deal where your only way out is a dead cap hit of almost $28 million next year. Or you have to wait another season to opt out for a cheaper amount. I, I don't know where this is going. I don't know who you hire. and um, Things aren't looking good for the Vegas Raiders, unfortunately. But the Lions, good bounce back off a rough result where they were a bit busted up and got blown off the park by the Ravens. Biggest day for Jameer Gibbs. That's what they were looking for in terms of when they drafted him. Defense made some plays, but he was the cowbell back, missing Montgomery. Goff was serviceable. Late trade for them as well. Donovan Peoples-Jones gives him another receiver option there and a big body to help out. Oman Ra, Jamison Williams, and, and players on that side of the ball. But you sort of look at what they got out of Gibbs and the receiving side and the extra carries. If they can find the balance between him, Montgomery, lead from the front with their run game, have Goff just slice and dice and be surgical and the defense picks it up. Uh, I know it was a lot last week seeing that blowout against the Ravens, but... Still some signs there from the Lions that they could potentially be a threat on the NFC side of the ball. A big win for them. Despite the Vikings win, they're still too clear. Six and two in the north. Look like they're going to be heading to the playoffs. But besides that, a good bounce back. And uh, yeah, tough week for Vegas. But that wraps up the games. And what was a full 16-game slate around the buys. There'll be a couple of buys this week. But just reviewing... Some of those moves, the big sellers on deadline day, the commanders are no doubt more change to come in the offseason with Harris and the group that took over. Talking about coach, talking about stadium, but Sweat and Young deals were due. They've traded both, picked up seconds and thirds. They've loaded up. They've got cap space. They've got picks. Um, but moving on from those two players, Dobbs to the Vikings, essentially seventh rounder, getting a good veteran who's serviceable to work with Jaron Hall. If Jaron Hall works, you know, it's a late-round pick, it's good value. But if he doesn't, if they want to try and win and they think they can do something with Dobbs and the weapons they've got to make the playoffs, I don't know. But for a competitive rebuild, Dobbs is a good veteran along with Kirk to work with him. Give it a few weeks and see what you've got. But strength of schedule is rated by the NFL. Uh, they're predicted to have one of the easiest schedules on the way out. So draft-wise, I don't know if that's what they want to do. Um some decisions to be made for them about their future. And like we said now with Kirk, be careful what you wish for. A lot of people saying to move on, but what do you do? They've got first and second picks next year, two-fourths. Certainly got some weapons, um, but yeah, big decisions. Kirk, Daniel Hunter, offense and defense. But Dobbs there. Rasul Douglas from Bills to Green Bay. No, sorry, Green Bay to Bills. Just someone on the secondary that needed help. Um, the Bears getting sweat and not moving on from Jalen, but only cost them a second round off someone they're going to sign. Peoples Jones to the Lions for a late pick, but the Jags, they're probably the one who made the most significant move in terms of what they're doing. Their O-line, getting Robinson back from suspension, now trading for one of the better young guards in Ezra Cleveland. And Williams to Seattle for a position of need. The salary basically all covered. Giants... Dumping that salary for next year. You know, Seattle with some extra picks, giving away a second and then a fifth. Um, and an interesting one that didn't cost anything, but the Bills who struggled to run the ball, adding Leonard Fournette to their practice squad. So you'd assume he might come up into the 53 at some point. But obviously having a look at him for a potential uh, move into the top squad. But deadline day. Not as many sellers. You thought maybe the Titans, maybe the Vikings, Buccaneers or a couple of these teams to try and get more cap space and potentially reload or an LA Rams who have tried to be competitive so far. But given that's not the case now, heading into the back end of the season, it would not surprise me now to see a few of these teams start to slip away. The Rams in particular, um, just lack of depth. The Bucks now losing three in a row, but... Maybe some renewed hope for a few teams. Vikings one to watch with the quarterback situation. Titans one to watch now with what happened with Will Levis. Um, but yeah, there's a couple of teams that 
looked like they needed to make some moves or sort of reset who chose not to. So we look forward to the back half. Eight weeks in, nine weeks to go. Let's have a look at the matchups this week. So you've got the Titans off the back of what we said last week. The Levis game up against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pickett, questionable to go. Could be Trubisky. It's at Pittsburgh. They're outsiders at $2.28. I honestly don't mind it. Um, can lightning strike twice with Levis? Is it real? Don't know, but we're about to find out. But with question marks on Pickett, and even if he does play, if Trubisky's the starting quarterback up against this defensive line and their ability to run the ball or acting completely, I don't mind the Titans at all at $2.28. So that's where I'm going. Dolphins Chiefs over in Germany. What a game to get over there. Like You talk about the London games, but that's huge for the European game. Uh, Kansas City certainly need to bounce back. Dolphins offensively, good test again for them up against a good defense in the Chiefs, but you think if they can survive that side of things offensively with the way uh, you know, the Chiefs are going right now, Ramsey back, played 90% of the snaps last week. If they keep getting better on that side of the ball, again, 205 outsiders, the Dolphins, Chiefs eight. I don't mind the Dolphins. So that's probably the way I'm going to go. Packers, Rams, good luck picking this one. Stafford, probably not going to play. They're $2.41. Outsiders, it's at Green Bay. It's been a rough couple of weeks. Um, they're tough on defense, good secondary, good line. Got to lean into their run game. Playing at Lambeau. So I'll go the Packers. They're $1.57. Rams, two forty outsiders. But if Brett Ripien's the quarterback again, there's no way you're going to catch me on the Rams and their lack of ability to run the ball and control things like they did the first few weeks. Bucks Texans, big game for both teams. Three losses in a row for the Bucks. Things on the slide at Houston. They've dropped a couple. Time to respond if they want to be in the wild card picture or stay in touch with their division. Uh, I'll go the Texans. But we know the Bucks have been a tough out, but at home, off the back of a disappointing loss, they're $1.65. Washington up against the Pats. My Lord, flip a coin. Washington's been very competitive at times. They've had a couple of absolute Barry Crockers, but the Patriots, they've just been awful, offensively in particular. Um, I know they've given the pass rushes away, like we talked about in Sweat and Chase Young, but yeah, I, I don't know. You, you look at this... Patriots, they've been okay defensively, been awful offensively, but Washington, despite the fact he's been sacked so many times, how they seem to be able to move the ball, and the weapons are underrated. Like Logan Thomas, reliable tight end, Dotson, McLaurin as receivers, their running game's okay. Uh, I just have no confidence in what the Patriots are doing offensively, so at $2.50, again, I don't mind the outsider and the commanders. Bears, Saints, sweat on board. His field's back this week as a Bajan. Don't know. Don't care. New Orleans at New Orleans. $1.24. Need to keep winning. Big win last week. Try to take control of this division over the top of the Falcons. I'll be on the Saints at $1.24. Vikings up against the Falcons in a, in a direct impact to that game in that division. $2.90 outsiders are the Vikings playing Atlanta at the Mercedes-Benz Dome. Heineke confirmed starter today. Lean into that run game. Hopefully no turnovers. See what their defense can do. But for the Vikings, Jaron Hall likely the starter. Dobbs there. But we're going to see what it looks like without Kirk Cousins and get a look into the future. $2.90. Outsiders couldn't touch that, not knowing about the quarterback situation. So the Falcons, opportunity here to keep pace with the Saints at $1.42. Seahawks, Ravens, good game to get a good gauge at where Seattle's at. Across the NFC, AFC sides of things, but at Baltimore, dollar thirty-seven. They did it the hard way last week, but up against the team here, it's been a bit hit and miss defensively. If they could run the ball and get things going on that side and keep Seattle on the field, good defense. Baltimore, it's been underrated this year. Geno's been hit and miss. There's been turnovers. Um, I, I'll be going the Ravens at home at a dollar thirty-seven. If you like Seattle, three dollar thirteen outsiders. Cardinals, Cleveland. Like again. Who's the quarterback? $4.10, honestly, for Cleveland. Seven and a half. Look up the quarterback side of things. They're saying Clayton Tune at the moment. But if it's Kyler Murray and the way they've been playing with effort, especially on both lines, running the ball, defense just busting their harms, some of the trick plays they've come up with, 
the seven and a half or just the four ten straight up if it's PJ Walker again and Cleveland like they're, they're just leaning on their defense and their run at this point in time and even that hasn't been the greatest it's really been their defense so Cardinals have been the kings of the cover so seven and a half if you like it or four ten head to head all depends who's playing quarterback but if it's Kyler Murray playing quarterback against PJ Walker with these odds I'd at least take the start at seven and a half Colts Panthers. Panthers first win last week. Colts just in a bit of limbo playing the rest of year with Minshew. They're favoured, even though they're away at dollar sixty-five. Panthers two twenty-five. I, I don't know. Sort of get the feeling that maybe the Panthers can build on last week. Ugly game will be close, but they're two dollar twenty-five outsiders at home. Colts, you think should win, but maybe a bit of a confidence boost there for Bryce Young. This is a defense that certainly can leak points and leak yards. Leaked five hundred last week. Maybe he has a big day in his best day as a pro so far. So. Panthers at 225 or two and a half start. Cowboys, Philly. One of the games we've been waiting for. Huge NFC East implications. Big for Dallas if they want to stay in touch for the division, because if not, it's going to be wild card all the way. Philly, been so good. Both sides of the line. Leaked a lot of points last week. Couldn't stop. Washington couldn't make a play on the back end. But the real test here is the offensive line of Dallas and running the football. If they can't run the ball... If they can't stop the rush or the line of the Philadelphia Eagles and it goes onto Dak's shoulders, it's going to be a long day. It's going to be a very long day. But on the flip side, their defense, their rush, in particular Micah Parsons, they need to come up with plays. When their defense come up with plays and put pressure on and take a bit off his shoulders and don't have to rely on the game to be won with his arm, puts him in good stead. But... I'm not confident about that. It's at Philadelphia. I think they're going to struggle on both the lines. I like Philly here. They're $1.56. Giants, Raiders, they've both had bad weeks. If Tommy DeVito's starting again, it's hard to say that you want to go with the Giants because you you know that it's going to run the ball again. But the Raiders, benching Garoppolo, interim coach, they're a $1.76 favorite. Here's a tip for this game. Just don't bet on it. 207 for the Giants, $1.76 for the Raiders. I'm not touching this one with a 10-foot pole. Um, that's just a shocker. But another huge game, Bills-Bengals, AFC. Blockbuster matchup at Cincy. Allen's been carrying the Bills. Douglas coming in, can he tighten up the back end? Can they get more from their running game? Can they get more from their lines? It's a big week for the Bills here. But Cincy rolling. Heading home, watching Burrow just be surgical last week. Their defense, in particular their rush, getting better, getting a couple of turnovers, making some plays and sacking the quarterback. Um, really like Cincy here, rolling in at home, $1.74. Buffalo, the 210 outsiders, but one of the best matchups of the week and one to really look forward to. And then to close things out, it is the Chargers up against the Jets. The Jets... They just keep finding a way to win games with their defense. It's been ugly on the offensive side of things, but for the Chargers, you know, if it's Herbert or bust, their defense has been hit and miss. They've got really good talent there. Staley's supposed to be a defensive guru, but the numbers don't back that up. But this is a must win for them. But this is one of those trap games where the Chargers end up losing. But they lose here. They go three back in the division potentially. Forget even the division, just a wild card. And Staley, I think if they lose this game, should be fired. Um, I'm tipping the Chargers, not with a lot of confidence, but that Jets defense will certainly give them some headaches. And there's your week nine, but some absolute rippers. But Dolphins, Chiefs, that AFC clash in Germany, that's a hell of a game. Hell of a game. Seahawks, Ravens, two teams that are going pretty well, another one to look forward to. Philly up against the Cowboys, NFC East clash, and then the AFC clash at Bills, Bengals, probably the four best. Uh, for heading into week nine, absolute corkers. And we'll see if some of these trades make differences for these teams. But 49ers, week off, we'll see if they can relaunch the week after with Young and Bosa coming off both the edges with Kinlaw and their defensive moves. The Vikings, Jaron Hall, Levis playing for the Titans, Heineke, the move there, the quarterback change-ups with the chaos that ensued. Can that get those teams turning in the right direction? Who knows? But the NFL... Never a dull moment. Never a week to be missed. And I think this is one of the most open seasons on record. Like people looked at the Dolphins, then the Bills got over the top of them. Got the Chiefs that are ticking along nicely. The 49ers have now lost three in a row. Probably the one in the most control you'd say is Philly, and even them. 
close results. Haven't really had a blowout yet, and, and they're building nicely, but have got some holes. So um, AFC, NFC, it, it is wide open this year. There's probably six or seven teams in a bit of a mixing bowl at the moment that have gone head-to-head. You've got the Ravens, you've got the Lions, who got knocked over by them the week before. You throw all those teams into contention. Um, if there's anyone you like, I think you get good odds at this point in time. Because if I'm a bookie, I'm not confident at all. I'm really not confident. And that's saying something. Most years, someone is the definitive sort of player there um, in terms of being a favourite. But at the moment, they've deadlocked the top three. So Chiefs, $6. Philly, $6. 49 is six fifty, And then on the next line, you've got the Dolphins at 10s, 11 for the Cowboys, 12s for Baltimore is probably the big one. But if there's one you're sitting at now, if the way things are trending and if you think they're going to keep going... The Bengals are at $17. If there's anyone I'm looking at right now value-wise, unless you think the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to keep building, it's Cincy at 17. Outside of that, I'm not looking any further. But of that top group and that three Chiefs, Eagles, 49ers that probably most people are looking at and then talk about the Ravens, Cincy with what they're doing and how they're building, this might be the week where you have to get on at 17s because if they roll Buffalo, uh, you can... Pretty much guarantee that they're going to shorten in big time, I'd assume, or get close to that ten dollar sort of line. The MVP talk last week, Lamar, would be uh, shortening up. Mahomes is still the favourite at three seventy five, which is surprising. It's been one of his probably worst starts to a season. Hurts at four fifty with Tua, who's right in the mix. Lamar six fifty. Burrow, if he goes on a bit of a run at the moment, sitting there at seventeen dollars after a slow start, he's good value if you want to go that way. People were talking about Goff the other week. I even thought maybe he wasn't too bad, but the back, the big loss in an average week and then a slow week last week, he's blown all the way back out to $36 at this point in time. So, again, much like the Super Bowl betting, I, I guess your best value, if you think they can go on a run and start dicing teams up, is Burrow at 17 bucks. But it's going to take a bit. But there you go. Some odds after week eight. The trade deadline is closed. No more movement unless it's coming from practice squads or external signings. But the NFL, as open as it's ever been on both sides, log jams in NFC, AFC, multiple divisions wide open, plenty to play out, and four huge head-to-head matchups this week, particularly headlined by the overseas game in Germany between the Chiefs and the Dolphins and the AFC blockbuster between the Bills playing the Cincinnati Bengals. Looking forward to all that action and plenty more. But for now, enjoy your week.